You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Hallelujah. As you take your seat, turn to the person next to you, look them in the eyes and say, your smile looks better than the last time I saw you. Tell them, keep on smiling. I know you have a lot of things to be happy about. Amen. You might say, Bernard, you don't know what I'm going through. Let me tell you something. When your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, there's reason to rejoice. There's a reason to put a smile on your face. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I want to share with you a message today. God is with us. Something that God just dropped in my heart to prepare ourselves for the next quarter of this year. Amen? Many times we can face difficulties. Matter of fact, some people think that when you're a Christian, everything is just going to be great. Smooth paths, straight paths, no challenges, no difficulties. <clears throat> Hope you've never believed that. Psalm 23, the psalmist says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I'm approaching the end of the year. Now, many people that's got deadlines for the end of this year, projects that they have to finish, targets that they have to meet, things that you are trusting God for, that's putting you down in a valley. Am I talking to the right people here today? Let me see your hand. When we're excited, it's summer. But he says, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Turn to the person next to you and say, God is with us. It says, your rod and your staff, they will comfort me. Can I tell you something? What's one of the most important things? Well, let me start by asking you a question. What are you focusing upon? Even when you're reading that verse, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, are you focusing upon the valley of the shadow of death, what you are going through? Or are you focusing upon the fact that God is with you? Because where you focus has got an impact on how you'll behave, how you'll think, how you'll speak, how you will behave. His rod and his staff is protecting me. His rod and his staff is protecting me. Turn to the person next to you and say, God is with us. Why is it so important? Because what you give your attention to is what you'll become. What you give your attention to is what you'll become. That's why it's very important to remain focused. When you give your attention to God's word and what God says about you, what you are and who you are, then you will become this. But if the only thing that you are focusing upon, where's my cell phone? Hmm. Note to self, where's cell phone? Amen. <laughs> but when you're only focusing upon your cell phone and what's going on there, the news, be careful that it does not start to impact you, influence you. That what you say and what you speak and what you declare over your life, your situation, your circumstances, your family, your business, is what you're reading in the newspaper. You're declaring more of that than this. 
When your attention is on the Word of God, you will have what God's Word says you have. This Word is light and it's life. Matter of fact, every Word of God, when you speak it, it's spirit, it's life. It's filled with light. John 6, 63 says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Let's just think about that for one minute. What kind of words have you been declaring? Because when there's a difficult situation, it's very important what you say. This word is filled with spirit. It's filled with light and life. It's one of the keys for successful living. Joshua 1.8. Meditate upon the word of God. Let it not depart from you, from your mouth, from your heart. That you may say it, that you may declare it. Then your ways will become successful. You know, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is Genesis 1 verse 2. Genesis 1 verse 2. It says... The earth was formless and void, and there was darkness. And it says the Spirit of God was hovering over all those things. Why does it mean so much to me? Because in Genesis 1 verse 1 is where God started to create His own creation. And in verse 2, you see three characteristics. Darkness, void, and formless, which is not part of God's character. So scholars, and I believe that's where Satan was kicked out of heaven and he fell on the earth and he interfered with what God was busy with. So why do I love the scripture so much? Because I remind myself if the devil could interfere when God was busy, he's surely going to try and interfere in my affairs. Am I talking to the right people here? Let me see your hand. So I'd like to know what God did to change it. He didn't start saying, oh, look at the darkness, it's so great. Oh, I was busy with something, now it's messed up. Oh, it's empty. The Bible says, he said, let there be light. A matter of fact, he spoke Jesus into the situation. The song that we were singing, I speak Jesus. That light that he spoke, I'm not going to preach on that, but that when he said, let there be light, it's not the day and night that he was speaking into existence because day and night he only created in verse 5. Go read John 1 verse 1 till 5, then you'll see, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word of God was filled with light, and there was life in that light. So what God the Father did when he spoke he, the Word, light, he spoke Jesus into that situation. Light and life. So, yes, give the Lord a hand. There's so many things from that scripture. You know what? Your darkness, your void, that which you think has got no form in your life, the Spirit of God was hovering over it. You know what that teaches me, teaches us? God is not embarrassed about your situation. When you find yourself in darkness, when you find yourself feeling empty, Am I talking to the right people here today? Turn to the person next to you and say, I just want to confirm.
you heard what was said. God is not embarrassed about your situation. The most important thing is what are you declaring over that situation? And God the Father just said, let there be light. Let there be light. And he spoke the desired result into the situation. He didn't speak one word until the Holy Spirit was on the scene. That's a message for another day. Amen. So your situation that you are facing right now, if you don't see a way out, if you don't see a way out, I'm here to tell you there's a way out. If your situation looks hopeless, when God is with us, there's always hope. When we put our hope in Christ Jesus, there's always hope. Turn to the person next to you say, there's always hope. You know, the Israelites, the Bible teaches the Israelites was caught between a hard, a tough, and a dark, and a difficult place. They were caught between two valleys. The Red Sea in front of them and the Egyptians are coming from behind. Have you ever had a situation like this? Feels like somebody's going to kill you. There's no way out. And you're trapped. God specializes in situations like that. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Exodus 13, verse 21. I'm reading from the NASB. So if you don't have that translation, you can follow in your Bible or you can follow in the overhead. Amen. It says, the Lord God was going before them. If God went before them, he's going to go before you. In a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way, and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. Verse 22, he did not take away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. He did not take away. This is Old Testament. Under the New Covenant, he says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He is not going to leave you. Turn to the person next to you and say, he's not going to leave you. Turn to the person on the other side say, he did not take it away. He went before them, he went before them, and he was with them. Wow. Let me hear you say, God is with me. Say it again, say, God is with me. It says here, that he might travel by day and by night. You know what this teaches us? Night. Night is dark moments. In your dark moments, he is also with you. It's the nature of man when they go through a dark moment to say, where is God? God is there. Let me tell you something. According to Scripture, darkness is not dark for God. Psalm 139. Darkness is not dark for Him. So what you look at and what you see as a dark situation, when God looks at it, He does not see darkness the way that we see darkness. With God, there is always hope. There's always light. There's always life. Because he thinks with a heavenly atmosphere. He looks with a heavenly view at your situation. 
where we can look at situations from a natural point of view. Am I talking to the right people? Turn to the person next to you. Say, that darkness that you are facing. For God, it's not dark. Satan wants to keep you away from the light. Because if you only focus upon the darkness, fear will grip your heart. And when fear grips your heart, it changes your behavior. Fear is more deceptive than Satan himself. Because it paralyzes you. It takes away your motivation, your courage. When there's darkness, you are bound to be frightened. Some of you are still scared of the dark. And you are grown up. Don't raise your hand. Just double blink at me. Amen. We have a miracle service after this. You can come for prayer. Amen. The clearest sight you have of God's sovereignty, the clearest sight you have of heaven's view about your situation, the more faith will be stirred up on the inside and your confession will change about your situation. But when you view your situation from a natural point of view, You'll confess and say what you see, what you hear, what you feel, instead of declaring what God says in His Word. Can I have one amen? amen. Has the week been that tough? Just wave at me. Tough week. <clears throat> Turn to the person next to you say, the best is yet to come. Can I tell you what's one of the mistakes that we make? We seek heaven here on earth. And that's not biblical. That's not scripture. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. The Bible does not tell us to seek heaven. If you seek heaven, the devil will make you run after things the whole time that you think is heaven. He says, manifest heaven here on earth. This is not heaven. When you are seeking heaven here on earth, you'll be asking questions. Is, is there going to be light in the end of this tunnel? Will there be a rainbow after my storm? <laughs> Am I talking to the right people here? Will I ever get through this? God, why me of all these troubles? Am I talking to the right people here? What does John 1633 say, it says in this world you're going to have tribulations, you're going to have trouble. Not one amen. I don't want to hear that gospel. It says these things I've spoken to you, so that in me you will have peace. What is it that you want in a storm? You want peace. So this is not heaven yet. This is the earth. And the ruler here is Satan. And John 10 teaches us he's come to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants you to feel empty on the inside. He wants you to experience darkness. And he wants your life to have no form. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. But God says, I've come to bring life and life in abundance. That it can overflow in your life. But it's not just going to happen. You have your part to play. When the disciples said, listen here, there's a crisis here. What we're experiencing, Jesus, we've got you. Teach us how to pray. Give us the magic words. What do we say? How do we pray? 
Am I talking to the right people here? What did Jesus say? He says, when you pray, pray in the following way. Say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. He says, I've given you authority. I've given you graces. I've empowered you. I'm with you. This is not heaven yet. But wherever you go, manifest heaven. Manifest heaven. Manifest heaven. What happens when we get together here to worship God? Manifest heaven. Who of you were aware of a heavenly atmosphere during worship? You were aware of God's presence. You were aware of His peace. Why is it not everywhere? Because it's manifesting here by the grace of God. So can I tell you something? No matter the giants you are facing, God is with you. God is with you. Doesn't matter how high those walls are, God is with you. What is the one thing that Moses told God? He said, I'll go into the promised land on one condition. You have to go with me. As a matter of fact, he says, God, I want you to go before me. He says, if your presence does not go before me, and you are not with me, I'm not facing anything in the promised land. God never failed Job when he lost every good thing in his life. But he became the provider in his life and he restored double. He never failed Daniel when he was in the lion's den. Have you been in a lion's den? In that lion's den, he became the protector. He became the protector. He never kept him out of the lion's den, but in the lion's den, he became his protector. He never failed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. But when they were in the fiery furnace, what did the king say? Who's the fourth person? There was a comforter there to help them who became their shield and their protection. When the armies were coming against Moses and God's people, what happened? He became the way maker. The sea opened up and they could move through. They still had to move through. They still had to do it. Elijah, when he had to face the Baal prophets, have you had a bit of kickback and pushback with what you believe? Who gave him the victory? God became the victory giver in his life and a whole nation turned back to God. With Daniel, a whole nation turned back to God. So sometimes God wants to do something in our lives. We say, Lord, use me as an instrument for people to come to Christ. Lord, a whole nation. God says, do you know what you're asking? Daniel prayed a similar prayer, and I had to take him into the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had the same desire. They had to go into a fiery furnace. Elisha had to face 400 bold prophets. But when we face resistance, we say what we see, what we hear, what we feel, instead of declaring what God is saying. Because we start to doubt that God is really with us. He never failed our Lord Jesus Christ when he was tempted. But he declared the word of God and things started to change in his life. Am I talking to the right people? Turn to the person next to you, look them in the eyes, smile at them and say, God is with you. God will never fail us.
for God to fail us, His Word must fail. And His Word can never fail. His Word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Family, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. We walk by faith. We don't say what we feel. We say what we believe. We believe, therefore we spoke. Faith is the substance. It's the evidence that which you cannot see, but you know it's very real. Can I tell you something? Jesus, when you hated him, when you wanted nothing to do with him, when you were running away from him, resisting him, he came and died for you. So if that's his commitment, guess what? Someone is busy working out the answer to your problem. Someone right now is praying for you. Praying for you. His name is Jesus. How would your attitude, your confession, your behavior change towards the situation that you are facing if you heard Jesus praying for you right now on that side of the wall? It's time to put our faith back in God and not in the situation and the circumstances. You know what? The test that you are going to write in this life, Jesus has got all the questions and he holds all the answers. <laughs> so sometimes you think, why am I going through this, Lord? How am I going to get through this? God, what should I do? When, when David had to face Goliath, a giant, God showed him how to answer and what to answer. The truth is, when you look at their situation from a natural point of view, the giant was much stronger, better equipped, old warrior, trained in the art of fighting, intimidating, defiling, breaking down, should I go on? What else has your giant been doing to you? From a natural point of view, that's his nature. I'm going to kill you. He's shouting at you. Not only am I going to kill you, I'm going to chop off your head and feed your flesh to the birds of the air. That's the attitude of a giant that's coming to kill you. And if you look at that from a natural point of view, fear will grip your heart. And that's what happened to the, all of Israel. Saul was supposed to kill that giant. But the Spirit of God had left him. That's why he couldn't do it anymore. He didn't have confidence. You can go read your Bible. Saul used to find the biggest guy on the battlefield and say, Yes, Mena, you're mine, come. And he used to take him out. But when the Spirit of God had departed from him, he couldn't do it anymore. But guess what? God had already provided the solution, the answer to that problem by placing the Spirit of God upon David, a young boy that nobody recognized, nobody acknowledged, but he worshiped God in spirit and in truth. He was faithful with the sheep, and when he arrived on the battlefield, he didn't look at that giant from a natural point of view. He looked at him and think, my God's bigger than you. My God's bigger than you. You might be big, but my God's bigger than you. 
David knew he was in covenant with God. He knew God was with him. He knew he was not a giant slayer. David knew that he had a friend in the Holy Spirit. He knew that God's presence was with him. That's why he could face a giant. How do I know that? Go read Psalm 51. When he sinned under the old covenant, he said the first prayer, one of the first prayers that he prayed, he said, do not let your spirit depart from me. Why? Because he knew he wasn't a giant slayer. He knew he was in trouble. He knew he needed God. Turn to the person next to you and say, good news. Under the new covenant... It will never leave you nor forsake you. So David gave a sound answer to that giant. As a matter of fact, they, they, they actually basically say exactly the same thing. The only difference is the giant was bigger, but he found himself in the realm of defeat and failure. Whereas David might have been smaller, but he was in the realm of victory in Christ Jesus. He had a God fighting for him. He said, then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. You've come with me with natural weapons, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. What was he saying? He's saying, listen here, big boy, this is not personal. You've come against my big God, not against me. If you think I'm going to face you, in my own strength, small David made a mistake. You're facing my God today, and he's bigger than you. All the champions, give the Lord a hand. Can I tell you something? All champions of faith realize the importance of the spoken word in a difficult situation. Daniel, when he was confronted, he went on his knees three times that day and gave thanks to God. Spoke the word, Lord, thank you that you are my protection, that you are my shield, that you are my exceedingly great reward. I don't know what he prayed, but he just prayed the normal prayer that everybody still heard it. Job, when he went through his challenges, go look what the Bible says. He never sinned with his mouth once. Never said a wrong thing because he knew the importance of confession. Go look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. King, whether our God delivers us or not, He's still our deliverer. We're not changing our confession. What we believe about our God stands. Whether he delivers us or not, he's still our deliverer. He's going to throw us in the fire. That kind of a conviction, never to change your confession. It's not all up to God, but it's certainly not all up to us. Amen? It's your willingness and God's ability that brings the victory. You have your part to play. My mentor always said, pray as if everything depends upon God and work as if everything depends upon you. Work as if everything depends upon you. Do what you have to do and pray as if everything depends upon God. There's a relationship. Amen? Never doubt God's ability. Never doubt God's ability. What are you speaking and saying about your situation? Do you know what is unfortunately the thing that happens? People elevate and talk more about the mountain, the giant, than declaring God's word into the situation. Ooh, have you seen this giant that I faced? David was lucky. The one that I'm facing now, Giant Deluxe, the biggest and meanest that I've ever seen. I mean, if big could get any bigger, 
this would be him. And he's coming against me. Where's God? Hmm? Sicknesses. Ooh, the sickness that I've got. Mm-hmm. It's not one in 10,000. Mine is one in 10 billion. I am so special and unique to have this sickness. I wonder if heaven is even aware of this sickness. <laughs> am I talking to the right people here? <laughs> and we elevate. Oh, you think your boss is bad. I've got the boss of bosses of bad bosses. <laughs> am I talking to the right people here? <laughs> Whatever your giant's name is, stop elevating him. Stop magnifying him. And start declaring the word of God into that situation, into those circumstances. Let me tell you something. Your life can never rise above your confession. Your faith will never rise above your confession. So if you're saying there's no good men out there, single ladies, and you don't find a good man, why are you complaining? That goes for the guys as well, amen? Start to confess. Even if God has to separate one unique, special being and prepare him for me and keep him hidden till the right time, I know it will be the perfect one it will be a Daniel. Amen. And start to confess it and declare it. Pray those prayers. Declare those prayers. Amen. Never doubt the Word of God. You know, when we start to doubt the Word of God is when we believe other things more than the Word of God. We believe other things more than the Word of God. David understood that a negative confession precedes negative actions. If you confess negative things, you'll possess negative things. He knew that your confession will give you possession. So hold on to your confession. Continue to declare your confession. What does it mean to hold on to your confession? It means you continue to confess and declare the word of God until it manifests. Sometimes you have to pray and declare things over and over. Jesus is the high priest of our confession. Make declarations. Make declarations. I'm saved. Jesus is my savior. I'm healed. Jesus is my healer. I'm delivered. Jesus is my deliverer. I'm blessed. Jesus is my provider. I'm linked up with God. Defeat and failure are things of the past. Why? I'm walking with the Lord. I'm walking with the Lord. I'm walking with the Lord. We don't look at situations and circumstances from a natural point of view. We get heaven's opinion. When you have heaven's opinion, your confession will change immediately. Amen. I'm going to close with this. In conclusion, if you knew what was going to happen tomorrow, you'd not be praying. If you knew exactly what was going to happen tomorrow, you'd not be praying. You'd probably be making some other plans. Let's just be honest. 
we need God in every situation. If we know how much we need God, we'll be holding on to Him like never before. You need God in the good times and you need God in the bad times. When God looks at your situation, He has a heavenly view of your situation. Many Christians get to a place where they feel hopeless. Have you been at that place? Where you feel there's no hope. I want to tell you, when you get to a place where you feel hopeless, remind yourself that there's always hope for those who place their hope in Christ Jesus. When you hear what God is saying about your situation, your confession will change. When you believe that, you're going to have to hold on to that. Because many times, there will still be some thorns poking at you. Ever had a thorn in your flesh? You cannot just ignore it. It's then when you have to hold on and say, God, I'm going to confess your word and believe it. And I'm not going to change my confession until I see the manifestation. Don't confess failure when God has planned victory for you. Romans 8 says that you are more than a conqueror. So if you are more than a conqueror, why do you confess defeat and failure? If you have sickness in your body, Isaiah says that by his stripes we are healed. We don't ignore the sickness. We don't say, oh, there's not a pain in my knee. That's just stupid. We don't do that. We say, yes, there's a pain here. But by Jesus' stripes I'm healed. By Jesus' stripes I'm healed. By Jesus' stripes I'm healed. Lord, I command your light into this knee in Jesus' mighty name. For in your light there's life, O Lord. And we declare the word of God until we see the desired result. We do what we have to do, the possible, and we let God do the impossible. Many people confess lack instead of the blessing that God has got for them. Am I talking to the right people here? I mean, some of you, your faith will go to a new level if you just go off social media. Because your faith can never rise above your confession. And all you are reading is negative things. And if you are meditating on that more than the Word of God, then that negativity will start to dominate your heart. But when you allow this Word to become an integral part of your life, by its very nature, it will start to change you. And you'll find yourself acting, walking with God, planning with God. This is the power of this word. When you receive this word with meekness into your heart, it's got the ability to save your soul. What does that mean? It's got the ability to change your way of thinking. Where you always feel everybody is against you, hates you, nobody wants to help you. When you start to read this word, you'll see God loves you. He's supporting you. He wants to do far more abundantly above whatever you could think or dream or imagine. What do you focus upon? What do you focus upon? Because what you are focusing upon will have an impact on your life. What do you confess? 
change your confession. I'm going to leave you with these two last sentences to meditate upon. When you're not a person of faith, when the breakthrough comes, you'll think you've arrived. But when the breakthrough does not come, you'll think that God doesn't care about you and that your life has been destroyed. If you're not a person of faith, because you're going on your feelings. But when you are a person of faith, and you are facing a challenge walking through the valley of the shadow of death, even when you are facing that, you'll know that there's hope that God is busy perfecting everything concerning you. And if you find yourself in the palace and the breakthrough has come and the abundance is there, your confession will be, the best is yet to come because God is with me. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ, loving God, loving people.